0: Well, I'm glad you guys are here Amen. on this Thanksgiving weekend, uh, that you're all upright. <laughs> that was It's like full-on food coma the next day, you know, like, hey, how come I feel so bad? <laughs> well, Chubbs, <laughs> that's my wife. Whenever that second voice comes in, that's always, Nikki's like Jiminy Cricket to me. You know what I'm saying? I'll be asking myself a stupid question and then she'll give me the answer. And usually, I don't know why it's always well chubs. I don't know why it has to be that way, but I don't know. (laughs) We are in the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 25, Leviticus chapter 25. And we're going to move down uh, through uh, verse 21, I think or 24 leviticus chapter 25 let's cover it in prayer first Uh, heavenly father we come before you in jesus name lord and um, lord this is your word and uh, it's what you uh, have put into our hands father to study that we might know you so we ask lord god that your holy spirit would be in this place and you would be present father um, to dictate it to us lord and to to translate it for us father I pray, Father, that you would overcome anything that I might say, Lord, that isn't exactly what you have for your people today, Lord, and that you would speak directly into each person's heart today and, and that you would show them a piece of yourself, Lord, today, that they would be, see you revealed in their lives and in their hearts today, Lord, and you would speak right into the innermost places of their hearts and of their being, Lord, where no one else goes and the things in their hearts and their minds that only they know, Father, and I pray that you would speak to them there in that place that they might know that it's your voice. Uh, Lord, and that you might draw them closer to yourself today, Father, if they're far from you. And if they're walking with you, Father, and walking in the light, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them closer. Uh, Lord, we're, we, the closest we can ever get in this life, Lord, is still miles and miles away from glory, uh, Father. But we want to draw near to you as much as we possibly can. We want to know you, Father. and We want to see your heart revealed to our own, Lord, so that we can be useful in this day and age that we live in, Father. So equip us today and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 25, And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year... There shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you. For you, your male and female servants, your hired men, and the stranger who dwells with you, for your livestock and the beasts that are in your land, all its produce shall be for food. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty-nine years." Then you shall cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month on the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family." "...that fiftieth year shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your unintended vine. For it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you, and you shall eat its produce from the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another." According to the number of years after the jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor. And according to the number of years of crops, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price. And according to the fewer numbers of years, you shall diminish its price. For he sells to you according to the number of years of the crops. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear your God for I am the Lord your God. So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them, and you will dwell in the land in safety. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell there in safety. And if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce, then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it will bring forth produce enough for three years, and you shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth year, until its produce comes in, you shall eat of the old harvest. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession you shall grant redemption of the land. So here in Leviticus chapter 25, God is talking about two different things that the children of Israel were to observe, the first being the Sabbath of years. In the seventh year, there was to be a Sabbath of rest for the land. And nothing was to be sown and nothing was to be yielded. The crops, the fields were to be completely left alone. The land was to have its rest. And then in the 50th year, every 50 years was to be a year of Jubilee. And in that year of Jubilee, what he was talking as we were going down through chapter 25 is all land, all possession, all rights were to be returned, were to be restored to the original families that land and possession had been given to when they, had, when they came into the land of Canaan. Of course, God is speaking to Moses still, as it says in verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. So this is God, you know, again, we're going through the, through the times of the worship and the tabernacle and going through the wilderness and all of this, but this is something that God had shared with Moses when he was on Mount Sinai. This is one of the many, many, many things, you know, and I don't know if Moses just had a brain like a computer, Right? Or if he wrote the things down, I mean only the Ten Commandments going on the two tablets of stone, but God gave Moses a tremendous amount of things for him to remember and to pass on to the children of Israel. And these were a couple of the things. God is speaking to them, speaking to Moses, speaking to the people through Moses about a time, about a, a series of events that had not yet taken place. They had not yet folded camp for the first time from mount sinai let alone gone through the wilderness towards the promised land let alone sent in the 12 spies uh, who then came out and and remember except for joshua and caleb they all gave a bad report we're never going to be able to enter into the land we're never going to be able to take the land there's giants in the land we were like grasshoppers in our own sight i mean what does that even mean you know what i mean What do you mean you were grasshoppers? What are you talking about? There's giants in the land, and all of the people suffered through that unbelief, and they all believed the report of the ten spies who brought the negative report. Remember, as a result of their unbelief, God caused that generation to wander through the wilderness for 40 years, and he said, you're not going to enter into the inheritance. You're not going to enter into the promise. Why? Because of your unbelief. But your children about whom you said they'll be devoured up by the inhabitants of the land, they're going to enter into the promised land. They're going to take possession of it. And of course the children of Israel going into the land, the land being conquered and divided up amongst the twelve tribes, this is all in the future. This is all far from being a reality to these people and yet God is speaking about these things just as though it was happening at the current time. Because God stands outside of time. Because at all times God knows more than you and me maybe especially more than me god knows more than us at all times everything always comes back to faith You can. We have all these wonderful things and they are wonderful things and resources that we have within the kingdom, within the body of Christ where we can talk about the fact that you can be a reasonable person. You can't even be a scientist and believe in creation. You can believe in the Word of God and there's so many different resources that we have that take us through these things and show us how we can believe what the Word of God says that it's true. But at the end of the day... At the end of the day, it always comes back to faith. It always comes back to faith. And you cannot give faith to someone who doesn't have faith. And if you have faith, nobody can take that away from you. But just as the Word of God says, and this is one of the most important things for us to remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because those that come to him first must believe that he is, and secondly, they must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is the beginning and the end for us. Faith, that's what we stand on. That's what keeps us afloat. That's what keeps us going. When we turn on the news or when we go on social media and you see all of the clamoring of the world and all of the, da, 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 and the backbiting and this against that and this person against that person and all of this conflict and all of this fear and all of these different things that are going on in the earth today. It is your faith that allows you to stand above that. Like David talks about in the Psalms, where he is set upon, his faith allows him to be set upon the rock and his head lifted high up round about his enemies. It's like David is able to do this spiritual disappearing act because of the faith that he had in God. The fervent belief that he had that God had a plan for his life. And no matter what happened to him, and no matter what occurred in this life, God was in control. And God was in charge of his eternal destiny. David believed that with all of his heart. And that's the same faith that God wants you and I to have. But it's not something that you can be talked into. This is a gift from God. Even having faith is a gift from God. The best thing that we can do is to talk to people about the love of God. We can talk to people about the love of Jesus Christ. And we can pray for people. You understand? Like, if we really believe these things, if we really believe that God is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, we have to deal with things within His economy. Too often, Christians and the church in general is trying to deal with a spiritual problem from a world standpoint, from a fleshly, worldly standpoint, and we can lose sight of the fact that there is a spiritual battle that is going on. And the thing that we have been given is faith. And it's the thing that people who don't believe in Jesus Christ or don't believe that they don't have. And so our prayers as Christians always should be, Lord, help their eyes to be opened. I can't do that. You can't do that. Only God can do that. But if you will believe and trust in God, He will dictate and He will lead you and He will guide you. He will dictate the way that your life goes. And so you don't have to be dismayed and distressed about anything that happens. You can simply turn back to God and say, Okay, God, where are we going now? Lord, I don't understand why this is happening, but I believe and I trust in you. It's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done. You know the song, Jesus, take the wheel. Is that how it goes? Something like that, right? Jesus, take the wheel. You know, it's just like, it's a Carrie Underwood song, right? She's driving to Christmas, and she hits the patches of ice, and the car's spinning out of control, and she's, she's nothing she can do. So she's like, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. And, if, and it's, it's like a dumb country song, blah, blah, blah. But listen, it's got some spiritual truth to it. Because if you find yourself at a place in this life or a time in this life where you're being squeezed, where things in your life feel out of control, or you find yourself feeling uh, or struggling against despair and wondering why things are happening, so often God allows these things in our lives so that we will be willing to say, Jesus, take the wheel. I I can't control this thing. There's there's nothing that I can do here. God, you're going to have to take control of this thing. That's exactly what God wants to do. But we have to have faith. We have to believe. Now, God is telling Moses all of these things years and years and years before they ever ever entered into the promised land. And God's telling them these things. But they had to believe. They had to put these things into action. Now, concerning this Sabbath year of rest, which was every seven years, you know, I would have been an amazing Israelite, I feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love to rest. I don't have any problem with that. Like, some of you guys are like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm doing this around the house and this around the house. This is like, Why? Why? Why are you doing that when you could be napping or you know resting or hanging out with your family or doing something like that? I have to be motivated. You know what I'm saying? Like every once in a while, Nikki looked at me and be like, "Uh, we need some money. You need to go get some overtime." You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, ma'am. You know, and then I go, but like my natural, I'm a man of leisure. Okay, my natural state is I like to rest. I like to relax, and I'm always teaching my kids, look, you got to put the work in first before you can enjoy the good things in this life. Before anything great and wonderful that you're going to have or experience in this life, the work comes first. The work comes before that. I think it's something as silly as telling our little kids, you can't have your dessert until you eat your broccoli, is a fantastic, wonderful life lesson because if you don't put in the work and if you don't do the right things, you're not going to be able to enjoy, or you're not going to ever have the wonderful things. And Nikki always has to remind me of this. We're going to run out of wonderful things. You better go work some overtime, you know. And like God, she refers to me as Chubs. I don't know, all the time, but it's the work. It's, it's it's it has to be done. This thing has to be done. A whole year of Sabbath rest for a whole year. I don't have to go and plow a whole year. I don't have to go out and harvest. And God says here uh, in, in, uh, in verse 21, he says, listen, if you do this out of faith, if you believe me, if you trust in me the year before that Sabbath year of rest, I'm going to make sure that your crops, your field produces enough to sustain you for three years. If you believe in me, if you trust in me, I'm going to make sure you have what you need. I love that portion when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, don't be like the pagans of this world, the Gentiles is what the word that he was used, who run around going after this and going after that. He goes, you know, consider the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. And yet not one of these little sparrows falls from the sky, but your heavenly father knows about it. And consider the flowers of the field. You know, and and how they just grow and then they die and they're thrown into the fire to be burned up. But not even Solomon in all of his splendor was clothed like one of these. And he talks about the fact that none of us, by worrying about the things of this life, can add a single cubit to our stature. Remember what Jesus said at the end of that. His point he made was, but you, and he said, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. God knows that you need food and clothes and raiment. But you seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. These things will be added unto you. Faith comes first. And this is exactly what God was expecting of the children of Israel. I want you to believe me. I want you to trust me. You know there must have been people, workaholics, you know, who were like, what? A whole year without plowing? A whole year without without putting in the rows and sowing the seed and doing a a whole year? What am I going to do? Or... There's no way we're going to have enough food. How is this going to work? There's no way. This doesn't make any sense. And yet God was asking them to do that. This exercise in faith. This exercise that went beyond all of the business and the ways of man in this world and went into a whole different spiritual realm of God saying, I want you to trust in me and I want you to believe that what I'm telling you, if I'm telling you to do something, this is a great lesson for us, if I'm telling you to do something, I'm going to provide for you while you're doing it. God always honors obedience. And the other thing is true too. God never honors disobedience. He's merciful. He's gracious. But God never honors disobedience. We can't expect that we're going to receive the the reward of the Lord when we're living our lives in disobedience. It's just simply not the way it works because he's a good dad. Um, One of the things I, I wanted to read to you guys uh, and I thought this was very interesting in Leviticus. We're not there yet, but in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 33 to 35. Okay, so this is immediately following this. Leviticus 26, verses 33 to 35. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. And you're like, whoa, 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 what is this? Chapter 26 is the blessings versus the cursing. This is God saying, if you're obedient to my word, if you do what I've called you to do, this is the way that I'm going to bless you. And if you are not obedient to my words, if you rebel against me, these are the things that are going to befall you, okay? I will scatter you amongst the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land then the land shall rest and enjoy its sabbath as long as it lies desolate it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your sabbath when you dwell in it this is leviticus chapter 26 this is the very next thing that's recorded in the scriptures god is telling moses and telling the people of israel through moses if you're disobedient you're going to be scattered if you're disobedient I'm going to take you out of the land. If you don't honor the Sabbaths and the year of Sabbath rest on seven years the way I told you to, I'm going to remove you from this land so the land will get its Sabbath's rest. Now, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 25 and verses 8 through 13. And I want to preface this by saying this to you. The children of Israel, when they went into the land and they inherited the land, they never kept this Sabbath year of rest. They never did it. I don't know what happened between this time when God commanded it and when they went into the promised land, but they never gave the land this year of rest. Probably just for what we would call common sense reasons. You've got to sow. We've got to plant a harvest. We can't just let the, the, the land not, not do anything. Where are we going to get our food from? How are we going to sustain ourselves? And they never kept that seven-year sabbath rest for the land jeremiah chapter 25 verses 8 through 13 god says this therefore thus says the lord of hosts because you have not heard my words behold i will send and take all the families of the north says the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against the land, against its inhabitants, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them and make them an an astonishment, a hissing, a perpetual desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Then it will come to pass, when seventy years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation, so I will bring on that land all of my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning all the nations. Now turn with me to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 36. Now, we are deep, into the kingdom years, okay? This is after the children of Israel come into the promised land. This is after the years of the judges. This is after Saul and King David and Solomon and the nation is split in two. And this is at the very, very tail end of the kingdom years where there would be a king in Israel ever, ever again, right? Ever again until Jesus comes back. This is at the tail end of all of that. And this is what it says in Second Chronicles 36, 20-21. And those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons, that is Nebuchadnezzar, until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years now let me explain this to you a little bit further the children of israel came in to the promised land that god had personally handed them and remember what god had said to them this is not your land this is my land so all this talk about squabbling who's the land belong to god says uh excuse me the land belongs to me and i give it to whom i wish And God had told the children of Israel, These are the things you're going to do in the land, and if you're disobedient to my word, I'm going to take you out of the land. For 490 years, the children of Israel did not give the land its Sabbath rests. Every seven years. For 490 years. Do the math. They owed the land 70 years. 70 years. And they went into Babylon, into Babylon, into captivity, for how long? You guessed it, 70 years. That's history. That's not, that's not like a, a, a cute Bible story. That's world history. The children of Israel, the nation of Israel, went into Babylonian captivity 70 years. God had told them, back at Mount Sinai. Isn't it amazing? Now, what blows my mind about this and what really brought this home for me is the, 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 the uh, I don't know what you would call it, the, the, the thought that there would be anything according to the word of God in the church today that we would just do away with. It's something that's in the Bible, it's something that the Bible says, it's something that the Bible tells us that we are expected by God to be obedient to, but for whatever reason we just put it away. We just kind of say, ah, eh, you know what, that really doesn't pertain to us, ah, eh, that really isn't about us anymore. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And anything that God says, anything that God says, he's going to bring to pass. Uh, I want you to turn with me, and we're going to finish with this. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, starting with verse 13. Isaiah chapter 40, starting with verse 13. This is one of the greatest... I say this a lot, but... This is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, man, in the entire Bible. I love it when God brags. I love it when God boasts. I love it when God. I love it, when it talks about Jesus Christ making, making public spectacle of the principalities and the evil forces of this world when he died on the cross. Almost like, listen, Satan, I'm going to whoop you. And not only am I going to whoop you as the Son of God... I'm going to become a measly man, and I'm still going to whoop you, right? It's this idea that Jesus made public spectacle and left no doubt that the battle was over and the battle was won. I love it when God does this thing. So <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 40, who has verse 13? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or, as his counselor, has taught him, we're so smart, with whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? God's not just. Why isn't God just? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient enough to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. That hurts my (laughs) self-esteem. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. And he seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. That's for all you flat earthers. Okay? This is before scientists said the earth was flat, by the way. That God says through the prophet Isaiah that he sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Hey, there's that reference. Who stretches out out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth. When he will also blow on them and they will wither. And the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their hosts by number, and he calls them all by name. How many stars are there? God calls them by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. We found a new star. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I'm going to name a star after you, honey. Sorry, it's already named. So you can do that for now, but you're going to lose rights to it at some point. Um, Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob? Now this is God speaking to the nation of Israel. And so you could say this is God speaking to you as well as a child of God, as a daughter or son of Abraham. Um, My way, and why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, L-O-R-D, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths fall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord, you know this one, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God's word stands forever, forever. And for you as a child of God, as a a believer in Jesus Christ, The thing that I would hope that you would take away from this first part of chapter 25, talking about this Sabbath day of rest, is simply this, because God said so. Because God said so. Now we know that all of these things in the Old Testament, these things under the law, were a shadow of the things to come. We know from Hebrews, it says that there is a day of Sabbath, a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. Jesus is... Our Sabbath rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Jesus is the reason that I can honestly say before you I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be fearful about what will befall me or my family. Now, that's not to say that if you believe in God and you have faith in God, trust me, everything's always going to go your way. You're going to have health and you're going to have money and your car's never going to break down because that simply ain't true. And anybody who says something like that, you ever watch The Princess Bride? It's a very biblical movie. You ever? The Princess Bride? And, and she's complaining, complaining to the pirate dread, you know, is Wesley undercut. Anyway, if you haven't seen it. And he says this, this line to her, life is pain, Highness. Life is pain. Anyone who says differently is selling something. <laughs> and that is, for me, like, okay, you look around. Any church, any ministry that's telling you, you believe in Jesus, you have faith in God, and you're going to be healthy, what are you selling? What are you selling to me? Because you cannot go over to communist China and you can't go to one of the concentration camps where people of faith are being taken and their organs harvested while they live and sold on the black markets. You can't walk into that cell and preach that gospel to them. And you can't go to Africa where Christians are being round up and slaughtered or Iran or Syria where they're being burned alive, where they're being dismembered, where their families are being slaughtered, and preach that gospel to them. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ is not for this world. It is not for this world. As an American living in this day and this time in the place that you live, Thanksgiving ought to mean something special to you. It ought to mean something special to us because we, our problems are silly. You know, you should say, first world problems, first world problems. The things that we're about to kill each other over in this country, first world problems. We are so decadent. We are so privileged in this country, so privileged. And the things that we get spun out over, so ridiculous and we ought to be using everything that God has blessed us with and all the resources that God has given us to try to reach out to a world that is dying, to a world that is dying, a world that is desperate for hope. And you got it. God has given it to us, and he wants us to look outward. He wants us to look outward. But God's Word stands forever. I love it. Next week we'll talk about the Sabbath rest. In the form of the Jubilee year, which was every every fifty years, every fifty years, anything that you had lost that was a part of your family's original possession as an Israelite when you had come into the land, if you if you went got on hard times and you lost your land and you lost your inheritance, you maybe even had to sell yourself into slavery to your neighbor in order to pay off debts. The fifty year Jubilee, everything was restored, all debts were forgiven. Everything was made right. And this, course, was God's promise for a future that we still look towards when God is going to make everything right. And God is going to cancel all debts or settle all debts. And he's going to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And he's going to establish his kingdom there. And he's going to rule from the throne of David. And guess what? We're going to rule with him. We're going to be there with him. What are you talking about? What is wrong with you? Faith. Every single thing that God's word says, I believe it. I don't understand all of it. I don't understand all of it, but I believe it. And I believe that God will diligently reward anybody who seeks after him and seeks after his truth. So that's my my encouragement for you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you, you, Lord God, for the faith that you've given us, Lord. Uh, And we pray that you would increase it, and grow it within our hearts, Father. Uh, we ask and pray that you would help us to be a light in this world, that we wouldn't be caught up in the same flood of dissipation as the wor- as the Word says, Lord, uh, as everybody else around us, and and be caught up in all of the the turbu. Uh, what am I trying to say? The turbulent times, Father. Just the uh, the anger and the hostility that seems to be abounding, uh, Lord, all around us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to not even live in that space, Lord. Uh, but because of the hope we have in Jesus Christ, Father, and in your word and the promises you've given us, Lord, that we would be able to just freely love people uh, and, and freely live our lives uh, before you, Lord, trusting in you for every single thing, every single aspect, Lord, every single decision uh, that we make in this life. We pray, Father, that we would be seeking your face. And we ask, Lord, that you would guide us and that you would lead us. And we are grateful and thankful, Lord, to live in the place that we live, Uh, to have the blessings that we do have, Father, when so many people in this world are hungry, so many people in this world don't have a place um, to rest or a roof over their heads, Father, and are maybe being pursued just simply because of their faith. Uh, Lord, we're grateful for what you've blessed us with, Lord, and we pray that you'd help us to never take it for granted. Uh, but to live our lives, Lord, uh, from that standpoint, a place of thanksgiving and and always asking you, Father, how could we use what you've blessed us with to glorify your name, Lord, and and to help other people. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would accomplish this in our hearts, Lord, and that you would lead us closer and closer to you day by day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.